I begin this episode with a tweet from someone named The Volatile Mermaid, great handle, at OnoshiTwitnt, T-W-I-T-N-T. And the tweet goes, May the 4th being remembered more as Star Wars Day than as the anniversary of the Kent State Massacre is pretty much a metaphor for present-day America. And as a Star Wars fan, a lifelong Star Wars fan, I could not possibly agree more. And this last weekend really, really underlines this mentality and why this tweet hits so hard. Last weekend was the first weekend of May during the coronavirus pandemic of 2020, hopefully not also of 2021. But last weekend in New York City, we saw something that was truly, truly grotesque. And it's something that really got my hackles up and it made my heart hurt and made me angry. And I think the same thing is true for a whole lot of people. Now look, we're all going through it right now. We're on lockdown. Lots of us have no jobs. Lots of us aren't sure what we're going to do next. We don't know how long this is going to last. We don't know when it will end. But what we do know is that we're probably going to be forced to open up, even though every piece of history and all of the science says that we absolutely should not. But we're probably going to open up a lot sooner than we should. And then we're going to be back in this shit in fall. And that's not even what has me so pissed off. The thing that really pisses me off is how the NYPD decided to treat us last weekend. And not all of us, just some of us. When I say us, I'm touching my skin. Because the browner you were last weekend, the less you got to enjoy the first really warm weekend of this year. And I'm not talking about people who were outside doing all kinds of stupidity. Right? I'm not talking about people who were breaking the rules, not wearing masks, no gloves at all, hanging out in a big group of 10, all smoking a hoopah, drinking literal Coronas while Corona raged around us. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about people who were doing everything they were supposed to be doing, but they were in the wrong neighborhood and had the wrong skin color and got fucked up by the NYPD. I've lived through other weeks like this. And one of those weekends is really personal to me because it was basically, it was basically the week that radicalized me and opened my eyes as to just where the fuck we are and where we still are, however hundred many years into this American experiment. The gloves are coming off because the blinders have come off again, yet again. And every time I think I can't get any more angry or upset about the way this country is and the way that it was built and the way that it remains to this day. To this day, <laughs> not to. <laughs> Look, jokes aside, what happened last weekend in New York City is unconscionable. And if you're not mad about it and you're not talking about it and you're just tweeting today, May 4th, about Star Wars, you're the fucking problem and I'm over it. But let's get into this. My name is Logan Grendel and you have returned to the Focused on Infinity podcast. Let's talk about it. So look, we're all tired, right? We're all feeling just the weird energy that's in the air, in addition to either knowing people who have been sick or been sick ourselves, or even worse, knowing people who have died, and all the other weird things that are happening right now, right? Like, 
trying to call unemployment or go online and apply for unemployment benefits and just being literally unable because these systems have broken down so thoroughly. You know, people who had their businesses just go belly up because two months without any sort of income, especially if, you know, when things were already so precarious, because that's the way we live, we are not the proletariat, we are the precariat, which is, uh, I'm not sure where that term came from, but it is much more accurate of a term to describe the way that we live these days than the proletariat even, because our way of living is just so precarious that it's much easier to become homeless than it is to suddenly become wealthy or even comfortable. So we're all in a state right now, and I understand it. I get it because, look, I'm a Taurus. One of our one of my love languages is touch. I communicate emotionally sometimes better through touch than I do through words. Uh, though that might just, though that might surprise some of you, given how fucking verbose I get. But but really, it's it's the truth, and it's one of those things. A little story. My mom used to go to the the Foundling Hospital and just play with the orphan kids, or the you know the kids who had been abandoned, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things she told me when she was doing that was that it's possible for a child to literally die from lack of touch. Literally, not not figuratively, but to literally die, not from being hit or dropped or struck, but just not getting touched. And it's a need that I think a lot of us don't realize that we have. And also, it's a thing that I think a lot of male people, a lot of dudes don't realize that we don't get touched enough. Non-sexual touch for dudes generally is done far too little because the way we're acculturated, right, Dudes slap each other on the back, you know, on a handshake and a sort of bro-y, wrestly hug that isn't too tender. But a good, tender, like, 10, 15-second hug, how often do you see that? You know, we're, we're two dude-presenting dudes, two cis dudes just hug each other and hold each other, not for any other reason, just to share a little comfort, you know? I mean, monkeys do that, right? Primates have a thing called ventral-ventral contact, which is one of the things we don't have in common with dogs. But primates like to put their chests against each other, right? To just sort of like feel together and breathe together. And it's also a way of showing complete and total comfort because you put each other inside your comfort zones, all the way inside your comfort zones. And that's something that is so vital and beautiful and something that we really need. And right now, that is a, that's a fucking no-no, right? Unless you are lucky enough to live with someone with whom you're partnered or with your family. And let me tell you, as someone who lives alone, I can't imagine being stuck with an entire family because, I mean, I'm kind of a loner. But I can tell you that you should not take for granted the ability to just hold and touch and just sit next to or cuddle, et cetera, et cetera, to say nothing of the more interesting carnal things you could be doing with someone. But... To be quarantined with people that you love, despite the aggravation that might cause, it is a blessing. So don't take it for granted. And I'm sure this is something that I will say again, because this is not going to be over, you know, quick and easy, swift, all done, anytime soon. Don't take it for granted. But anyway, that's just one of the many ways. And then you have the economic stress, right? You know, even myself, I have a few clients left and some really generous clients, and people are starting to join my Patreon, and that is another source of revenue. Um, by the way, 
Don't forget, if you can, if you can afford to, please do support my Patreon, because I have actually decided that even after this is over, I'm going to devote my life, essentially, to creating, to creating art, to creating politics, to creating information, whatever it is. One of the things that this whole time has taught me or reminded me of is that really I was just LARPing as a business person. I got caught up in the capitalist thing and it was something that I needed to do to prove that I could do it. But just having a business just to make money, and don't get me wrong, I love every bit about working with dogs, but that's something that I will continue to do even just as a, as a rescue thing or just, you know, as a trainer, et cetera, et cetera. But at any rate, my own business is undergoing monstrous uncertainty because I don't know when this will end. And it, when it does, uh, and I use end with air quotes, but when it does, I don't know if I'll be able to just go back to the way things were. I don't know what clients will remain. I don't know if the trains are going to be safe to ride because I got news for you. I'm not riding a fucking train with all these surfaces that have a bunch of people who who may or may not have cro- No one knows who's got COVID. We don't have tests here, especially if you're poor. Poor people are not getting tested still, right? So it's just literally a... Th- hazard to my health and safety. And don't get me wrong, I go everywhere masked up and gloved up. But here's the thing. It's not just that I think that I can't take the right precautions. I'm going to keep it real with you. I have enough ancestors that died for this system that I don't feel the need to do that myself. Sorry, I just don't. And it's not a question of not wanting to work. I mean, I'm actually working now on all the things that I'm doing harder than I was in a lot of ways before this happened, when I just had my dogs and I was making like a good amount of money. It's that the conditions that we're being asked to suffer through essentially in order to get to work and keep producing so that we can keep buying single-use plastic items and water bottles and all this other nonsense that we don't fucking need in the first place, right? But I've seen a bunch of tweets and things on the internet and memes that are like, you know, you aren't an essential worker, you're a sacrifice on the altar of capitalism. And while you motherfuckers are cheering every day at 7 p.m., like, yay, yay, thank you for what you're doing, hooray, you cheer, you bang pots, and most of the essential workers, they're fucking at work, dude. They're not, <laughs> they're not hearing you clapping for them, come on. That is for yourselves. That is for that class of people. It's for the professional managerial class, people who still have jobs, and are in ho- at home, working from home, or just living on the money they have, or et cetera, et cetera. They're not people who are actually in the fucking struggle. And I'm not saying that just to other you. I'm saying that because it's the fucking truth. And we have to stop all this performative shit. If you want to show your gratitude for the people who are actually putting themselves at, in danger, fight for them. Do something useful, Okay. The politicians right now on both sides of the fucking aisle, even though if nothing else could make it more clear that what we live in is a one-party system, not a two-party system, where it's class. It is class that defines the two parties, okay? That is why they are willing to put up fucking sleepy Joe Biden, who looked like he literally looked like he had fallen asleep in that last um, video thing he did with Hillary Clinton last week. That motherfucker looked like he was literally sleeping while she was talking. And while I can't blame him, it's messed up, right? This is the fucking person they're going to prop up at a podium 
so that, that they can basically run the show. So that big pharma and other corporations and the military industrial complex and the prison industrial complex can just work with Alec and keep passing legislation. Keep the fucking gears churning without somebody in the big chair who's actually going to do something or maybe thwart their plans. It's a fucking dog and pony show. And if you still believe that Democrats are your friends, and listen, don't give me that like, well, they're better than Republicans. Yeah, they're better than Republicans. Yeah, they're better than Republicans. It is better to get two fingers chopped off than it is to get a fucking whole hand chopped off. But I don't want anything chopped off. And both of them are chopping shit off all day long. Okay, look at these fucking bills that they've passed. 1200 bucks for the past two months? Really? Who did that fucking help? Who did that help? I mean, I still haven't even received mine yet. And I don't know who else is in that boat. But like, you know, if I had not been lucky enough and had worked hard enough, that whole combination of choice and chance I've talked about before. But if I weren't fortunate, I would be in dire straits right now, more dire straits than I am. If it were up to the two parties who are in control of things, we would be done for. And we still may be done for because now they're opening back up states while the death numbers are still increasing. And I don't mean just the death numbers as in people dying. I mean the rate of people dying in some of the states they're still opening hasn't even really reached its peak yet. They're sacrificing us. And the, here's the thing. We all have this tendency when someone says something that sounds inflammatory to be like, no, 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 calm down. It's not that bad. Yes, the fuck it is that bad. Why? Why is it that when, when you're shown how bad something is, some of you just can't fucking accept it? And I mean, I think I know why it is, unfortunately. And I think it's because you have a level of comfort. And you really need to realize that that comfort can go at any moment any moment. And it's not your choice. It's when the powerful decide they need to suck your fucking blood instead of people poorer than you. And that moment is always right around the corner, some moments more than others. Put a pit in that Kent State thing from earlier, while I go ahead to talk about the NYPD's fuckery this weekend. Check me long as you bring your receipt, but it appears to me shit most of you can't read. Tragic. Ancestor wouldn't have it. The middle passage to disregard and passage just the classless. Christ body God talk. I don't ask that you praise me. Take you to the words and the verbs that I am and practice it daily. An heir to a book of wisdom. Left by the greats. I turn every page, only take breaks to paint. Addicted to the art, winning off all that'll make me wane. They tell me I'm gaining weight. I just tell them I'm getting paid. Wait. This caste system see us as castaways Like skipping stones over tortured souls We drown in the waves No cast for these broken homes We can't catch a break And the more you drop knowledge They want you to catch a case So I'm sure you've seen the videos Of a really hardcore I mean it was basically an assault It wasn't even an arrest I mean it was an arrest But as of now The person's out So whatever It was already overturned But the cops rolled up on this dude It was a, a man and a woman they were outside a store. It's two of them. And here's the thing. If you see two people walking together, you don't know if they're from the same household. So to arrest two people walking together for not social distancing is kind of fucked up. And that only happens in certain communities. The fact that the cops made that assumption that they were somehow not practicing social distancing, even though they did have masks on, that's already where they fucked up. 
But then they proceeded to grab and manhandle and throw this dude down on the ground and arrest him as if they had just caught somebody who they'd been looking for, who had killed like 18 grandmothers, six dogs, two bunnies, and, and put the fucking pet rat in a blender, rather than somebody who was just standing outside of a store that they probably had just come out of because they needed to buy something. And I want you to really think about this for a second. I want you to imagine it. And I know that it's hard to imagine for some of you because I'm going to keep it a buck. Like a lot of y'all motherfuckers have never even been told no real strong. And, and it is kind of a cultural thing. I grew up seeing this in a lot of cases where, look, the way that black people treat their kids, and this is a big generalization. So I know that I'm generalizing about cultures. So yes, there are lots and lots of examples and it's not a black or white thing, and a lot of it is tied in more with economics than it is with race, but just follow along with me for a second. There is sort of a trope of the white kid, especially the affluent white kid, running up and down the store, grabbing things, yelling, pulling things, and the, the parents just like, oh, Timmy, cut that out, or, or doesn't even say anything to Timmy, just apologizes to the people around them, like, oh, sorry, sorry, he's very exuberant. And on the other hand, black kids, like growing up black, you learn when you're outside, don't fucking touch anything if your mother says not to touch it, because you're going to be in some shit if you do, right? And I am definitely not a fan of the way that black people over-police their children, even though I understand why they do it, because they have to to keep them alive. But that makes us, in some ways, just better citizens. And I'm sorry if that hurts some feelings, but like... It's true. Like, talking about just simple manners and stuff like that, and like the, the, the yes ma'am and no ma'am and yes sir and no sir, and I wish there were more genderless honorifics, but there aren't at present. But anyway, yeah, that's, that's common in black families and black communities and black households, and not as much. And like I said before, there's some things that are good about it, right? For self-actualization, you want a child to be able to express themselves. And it is obviously everything in the world needs a combination of the two. Here's the thing that I'm getting at. When you let little kids run the world and you don't give them boundaries, what you're teaching them is that the world belongs to them and excuses will be made for them and that they can basically get away with whatever they want. And now why is that so poignant? Let's go back to what happened in Alphabet City. I think it was 9th Street. Um, somewhere around, I think, A or B. I'm not sure exactly which avenue it was. These cops beat this dude down, arrested him. And then another person who saw what was going on and was like, this is wrong. Like, stop. What are you doing? Don't do this. This steroid nightmare of a cop rolls up on this dude, pulls out his taser, just starts blasting his taser like he's playing Call of Duty at this dude before literally, I mean, you see him haul off and just Jack this dude in the face one time, and then he kind of realizes he OD'd, but he's still all fired up, and so he starts slapping him in the face instead, right? Takes the dude down, you know, puts his knee on the dude, and, I mean, he fucks this guy up. He beats this guy like he, like it was a personal beef, and then arrests him. And for what? For having the audacity to try and stand in the way, or just speak up in defense of what he knew to be an unlawful arrest. And this is something that, please, if you are black, don't ever fucking try this, but it is actually your right. 
you are allowed by law to resist any unlawful arrest to the point of actually injuring the police officer. That's actually the law. You do not need to comply with an unlawful arrest. So all this like stop resisting bullshit when they know they shouldn't be arresting you, that is just bullshit. It's just lies. It's not real. Unfortunately, it's a fiction that you have to live with if you're a black person. Living under stop and frisk, you would see black dudes, they would see the cops come, they wouldn't even wait. They would just fucking turn around and put their hands behind their back. Why? Was it because they were guilty? No. It was because they didn't want to fucking get beat up or taken to jail or shot. This is the fucking world we live in, y'all. Cut to the same day, the same exact day, straight across town. You could draw a straight line across town to the West Village. There's a great picture out there, and I'm sure you've seen it, but if you haven't seen it, just you can find it. It's a green field. It might be astroturf. I don't know if it's real grass, whatever it is. It's just a group of white folks just sitting out chilling as if it was any normal spring day. I mean, they're in crowds. They're in crowds of five, in crowds of ten, and the crowds aren't even that far away from each other. They're, they're packed in there. There is not a bit of social distancing going on. Not a bit. None. They're straight up just living life, right? And if you have heard any of my previous podcasts, my previous political podcasts especially, I am not a fan of government overreach, to say the least, okay? I am about as against governmental overreach as you could be. But two things can be true at once. The reason that we are supposed to be practicing social distancing is not because someone told us to. It's because it's the thing that we need to do as members of a healthy society to take care of each other. This is not, you shouldn't view this as something that you are being forced to do. This should be an act of love. This should be an act of love for your fellow humans. You know, I'm going to put this mask on because I'm not a scientist. I don't know what's going on here. A humorous way I saw putting this was if everybody's running around naked and some person decides they're going to pee on you, everybody gets wet. But if everybody has pants on and the crazy person runs up on you and starts peeing, you don't get peed on. It's the same thing with masks. And in this case, if you were the one with COVID, you could be the crazy person that's going to pee on everybody, but you don't know it. That's why you wear a mask. And also, and I actually said this to a woman early on in this whole fiasco before we were told to wear masks. And it's not your fault if you weren't wearing a mask because the CDC said basically not to. And I was like, fuck that. And what I said to this woman is, look, I know this is not an N95, but if it gives me a 1% chance better of not catching COVID, I'm going to wear it. It's no big deal to me. But anyway, we are doing a shit job of being good members of a healthy society, but especially these people in the West Village who were clustered up like it was goddamn Lollapalooza out there. You know, I'm like, this is not fucking Coachella, people. Fucking COVID Chella. Like, this is, <laughs> this is not a game. But y'all are out here just chilling. And, like, I know it was warm outside. And I know I'm lucky enough to have a backyard where I can sit outside or whatever if I want to. And I really don't like big crowds of people anyway. So I acknowledge that. But, but come on, let's be real. Sometimes you have to make sacrifices for other people. Sometimes it's not the fuck about you. But guess what? Guess what you did not see in the West Village in that picture? You didn't see... SWAT teams rolling up on these people, knocking heads. You didn't see Johnny Two-Shooter 
you know, running through the place, popping people like they were John Wick, blasting every West Sider in fucking Abercrombie and Fitch in the face. You didn't see any of that. None. Not one arrest, not a reprimand, nothing. And to make it worse, there is another picture that went super viral, as well it should have, from the same day, same time, relatively same location. New York City, 2020. A police officer in a mask and gloves. And don't forget this. The police officer in the picture I'm talking about in a mask and gloves is handing out free personal protection equipment to these white folks who are not practicing social distancing. Meanwhile, on the other fucking side of town, in the same city, the police are out there mobbed up. No mask, no gloves for the cops. And by the way, police, 7,000 police at the last time I checked, which was two days ago, 7,000 police were out sick. Okay, police are an excellent vector for the transmission of the coronavirus because they deal with people so much and they're not practicing the social distancing and they're not following the same rules as the rest of us. And also they're just dealing with lots of different people, which means they should be more careful, not less. But there's lots of police that are getting COVID and then they're going into communities and passing it around to people who are already underserved. And this is one of those things where it really brought into stark relief that racism is alive and fucking well. Institutional racism. And I'm not talking about interpersonal prejudice. I'm talking about institutional goddamn racism. Black people and brown people, what they're doing to us is whooping our asses. White people, not following the rules, not only get a pass, but get handed out personal protection equipment that poor people can't even afford. And even if you could afford it, you can't find it in a lot of stores. There was yet another video in Brownsville. And yes, some of these people, some of them were not practicing social distancing like they should. So, you know, if you want that to be the reason that they deserved what they got, fuck you. But okay, the cops rolled in there making, I mean, vicious arrests, you know, elbowing people, punching people, just grabbing them up. I mean, ragdolling these people. And a lot of these cops, I mean, a lot of them are on steroids, but like the, even some of the ones that are not, they, they work out a lot and they spend all day running around and doing, you know, the ones that are in shape. A lot of these are some big ass dudes. So you'd have a tough time fighting them, even if you were allowed to fight them and it was a fair fight. But they're grabbing up kids. They're grabbing up women. They're grabbing up, you know, older people. And a lot of them just don't give a fuck. And in, you know, Brownsville is a, is a black community, poor community. That area of Alphabet City, black and brown, poor community. And I want you to go look at these pictures and I want you to actually kind of study them because that's a case study in where we are, historically speaking. In some ways, nothing has fucking changed. And that's a hard pill to swallow and it fucking makes me, it makes me literally sad to have to say it, but it's true. You need to hear this. And more than that, you need to do something about it. I've said this before and I'll say it again. One of the things that white folks and black separatists sometimes have in common is that they feel like these issues are on black people to solve. This whole thing of like no white saviors. Look, I understand that black people should be allowed to tell their own stories and should tell their own stories and should be at the forefront of all these movements. But there's just not enough of us. Black folks are 12% of the population, 12 to 14% of the population. 
That's just not enough people to make a dent, politically speaking, financially speaking, especially not with the historic disenfranchisement and lack of generational wealth. We need your help. And I'm telling you that this crisis is pushing us to a point when, look, one of the reasons that I considered myself leaving New York before I decided that would be just, that would be the most hypocritical, weak thing to do would be to leave my home city in a time when it might need me. But one of the reasons I considered leaving is because we haven't even seen the rise in crime we're going to. We haven't seen it, and it's coming. It's already getting worse. If you have the Citizen app, right, and it's just going to get worse as people get more and more desperate. And it's not even their fault. That's the thing. It's not even their fault that they're going to be in this position, but they are. Now, what does May the 4th have to do with any of this? After the events of last weekend, myself and other black and brown and poor people uh, of all races saw what was going down with the NYPD, and we were absolutely incensed. And it reminded me of that period of time when Philando Castile and Alton Sterling and Michael Brown all got killed in a really short period of time, and it was just too much. That was around when the Black Lives Matter movement really kicked off in earnest because it was just too much. And it was like, you couldn't not see it. No matter what you know, right-wing pundits were trying to do to gaslight us, to be like, well, we don't know all the facts. You know, that was a big guy. And like, if he was running at me, like, you know, maybe he had to shoot him. Maybe, the, maybe they had to. We don't know all the facts. You got to wait till all the facts are in. Fuck you. You know good and well that those people didn't have to die. You saw those videos. That was like the summer of snuff films, basically, as far as I'm concerned. Now, look, none of the people this weekend died as a result of the treatment of the NYPD, thankfully. But that's a real fucking low bar to clear to say that it's a good thing, right? I mean, come on. And besides that, even if they didn't die, getting sent to Rikers Island right now could be a goddamn death sentence. And before I go back to the May 4th thing, let me talk about why this is ethnic cleansing. Rikers Island is a hotbed of COVID-19. So let's just follow this logically. You over-police an area, put people in jail, even if they get out, even if they are proven not, you know, not even proven not guilty, like just the charges are thrown out. You have sent them into Rikers Island. You're not giving them masks and gloves. You're not practicing any kind of social distancing when you're in Rikers. Not even basic hygiene. I mean, that place is a hellhole. It's it's really, really terrible. It's soul-crushing to go to Rikers Island. Even to visit Rikers Island is soul-crushing. But you go there, you have a really good chance of contracting this, this virus. And you could die from it later. Especially because a lot of people are saying that they're lying and the numbers are way lower than we think they are. No, it's the opposite. And don't get me wrong, I understand where this line of thinking comes from. But the numbers are higher than they're being reported. They're definitely higher than they're being reported. And there is no question in my mind about that. Why do I say that? Because we have tons of stories where people are going into the hospital. Like, I'm pretty sure I have COVID-19. If they're a black person, a poor person, indigenous person, an immigrant, a lot of the time what they're being told is, take this inhaler and go home. Come back if it gets really bad. Come back if you really can't breathe. And then a lot of these people leave and they go and they die at home. And those deaths are not counted as COVID-19 deaths. 
Also, COVID-19 causes a number of different ailments. It's not just the pneumonia that can kill you. There are other things that can happen. There are strokes that can happen as a result of coronavirus. And because it deoxygenates you slowly, right, there was just a doctor on today on Democracy Now! I highly recommend watching or listening to Democracy Now! every day if you're a person who is interested in news. In one hour, you're going to get way more genuine information from experts and from people on the ground than you would from a whole day of watching CNN, and it will be real shit, too. But this doctor was talking about how, you know, first of all, the CDC, and it's not their fault in some ways because they were just going on the information they had at the time, right? But they were like, if you're feeling sick, don't go to the hospital unless you're feeling really, really short of breath or you're having trouble breathing. But now what they know and what this doctor was saying was that what COVID-19 can do is deoxygenate your blood slowly. So usually the average person has like 94 to 100% blood oxygenation. But COVID-19 basically slows down your body's ability to hold oxygen. But it does it so gradually that your body just gets used to it. So you, that's why you can start feeling sluggish, but you might not even feel anything yet. Your blood oxygen could be at like 50%. And by then you're already fucked up and it's harder for them to save you. So now what this doctor was saying is that what they're going to do is they're going to change the rules for when you should come in and et cetera, et cetera. Even though a lot of this just comes down to testing. Test everybody. Push for them to test everyone, people. Push for them to test every person. Because then we know, then we can trace, and then we can actually all get out of this fucking quarantine, which we're going to be in and out of because of the idiotic way they're handling it. But anyway, a lot of people who are poor, especially if they don't have insurance, they're just getting sent home to die. Or they go back when they're really sick and they're admitted and then they're tested and they do in fact have COVID and then they go through the whole process, right? And then they die because it was kind of too late to save them. The survivability rate for this could be a lot higher with a combination of testing and earlier treatment. But we're not doing that. And we're not doing that, especially in poor and minority communities. This is ethnic cleansing. And it's even worse. It adds insult to injury. It puts a point on the sting. It twists the knife when what they're doing is they are letting Essentially, white folks pass around coronavirus that they will more likely get help from, but they're also going to pass it around to the people who don't have that same kind of assistance. I have a couple of friends who are super cavalier about this shit because they think they've already gotten it, or they're like, whatever, I'm fucking healthy. Like, low-key, fuck you. Some people that I love are acting like real fucking assholes about this, mostly because they just want to do their own thing. Or it's an inconvenience to them. I got news for you, okay? We all have lost something. Everyone is losing something, and we're all going to lose a lot more before this is over. Because we're not going to have any kind of life worth living if we don't help each other out. If we don't learn for a fucking second some empathy. Just some simple empathy. It's not about you. And to put it another way, it is about you. It's about you having the world that you want to go back to. It's about you having the ability to return to some kind of life in earnest without worry. And you can't do that if you don't sacrifice. If not for the rest of us, do it for your future self. 
May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. And I say this as a Star Wars fan. This day should be the day where we as a society remember that a bunch of college students got shot down in cold blood for protesting a war. Shot. Killed. And these were not poor kids. These were not black kids. These were not the criminal element. Okay? These were college kids who were trying to stand up for a better future. And they got shot. Why did they get shot? Because the government doesn't give a fuck about you. And eventually, after they have already beaten up the Black Panthers and crushed that movement and beaten up other movements for social justice, they're going to work their way up the chain to beating up college students that are white and affluent. Because what this country is about is the maintenance of power. That's the harsh truth you need to realize. The maintenance of power. When they say, we want to go back to work, they don't mean them. A lot of those people at those God's forsaken protests, those get back to work protests, they were carrying weapons that were worth thousands. Okay, their fucking outfits, they were wearing thousands of dollars of stuff, right? This was not a horde of poor people who really wanted to go back to work. No, they were not saying, we want to go back to work. They were saying, make our wage slaves get back to work for us. Let them go die for us. If our government isn't going to do that for us, we're going to come here armed and we're going to make them do that for us because we want those poor people in our Arby's who have to come here driving two hours to get here and get home. Can't ever see their fucking families. Don't make a living wage. We don't give a shit about them. And you know why? Because this country is ours. This is the white man's country. You can say that's hyperbolic. You can say it's bombastic. You can say whatever the fuck you want to, but look at those pictures from last weekend in New York City, the most liberal place in the world, the most diverse place in the world, at least in the country, okay? New York is known worldwide for being cosmopolitan, essentially the place that, that typifies, air quotes, liberal America. And yet here, on the same day, we can't even get the same kind of conditions, the same kind of justice during a pandemic for brown people who are just minding their own business. That shit infuriates me. And this is not a black people problem. This is an America problem because, listen, we're the fucking laughingstock of the world right now. Everything we have ever said about any other country's healthcare system has been a lie and it is proven that it is a lie and it is just going to be more and more exposed. All the lies about the free market solving shit, exposed. It's a lie. All the lies about our freedom and our voting system being the best in the world, it's a lie. And we need you to help us fix it. If you're listening to me, even if you've been politically uninvolved your whole life, even if you've stayed out of it, even if you're like, eh, I don't like politics, I don't want to talk about politics, I can't fault you for what you didn't know before. You can't do better until you know better. But if you can look at what is going on now and still not feel moved to act, you are not a good person. You would basically watch me die so that you can keep watching your Star Wars movies. And eventually, you or your kids or whoever 
when they are out of black people and brown people to grind in the gears, thrown into meat packing plants that are unhygienic, no protection equipment, and are actually just our own wet markets, essentially, hotbeds for disease. When they run out of us, who do you think they're going to put in there? Do you think it's going to be Nancy Pelosi's kids? You think it's going to be Mitch McConnell's kids? No, it's going to be your fucking kids. So if you don't care about us, care about your future. Care about the future of your children. Because what Kent State showed, and what we should be remembering on this day, is that eventually you're going to catch a fucking taste. And I say all this with love, because I grew up in a super multicultural world. I talk about this in a previous episode, but I grew up on the borderland. I grew up where one block north was projects and poverty and misery, and one block south was wealth and opulence and kids showing up to school in limousines. So I have love for people of all different walks of life. But here's the thing. Now we're grown-ups, right? You're 35, 40 years old. You don't have any excuse. None. You're supposed to have been politically involved by now. You're supposed to have done something by now to help people out. You're supposed to have gotten involved. You're supposed to have been making calls to your politicians. You're supposed to have been doing the work, some kind of work, something, especially since you have the time and money to do so. And if you haven't done that, you have shirked your responsibility to your fellow people, and you're going to let this country collapse. And it's happening. I actually don't think there's any stopping it at this point. But... We're trying to build a world, a better world, still, from the ashes of this one, while it's still burning. And we need your help. It's because we should be standing shoulder to shoulder in the face of this pandemic and the collapse of our economy and the destruction of basically everything that we have ever known and climate chaos and every other thing that is happening to us right now. We should be standing together. But if today you're thinking about Jawas and lightsabers and not also about the fact that this day is a gruesome reminder of what our government will allow to happen to us so that they can continue making money and continue putting military bases all over the world in their continued Game of Thrones that they plan to run until they have control of the entire world. Make no mistake, that is the goal of American empire. World domination. Do you really think there's any point they're going to stop when they keep increasing the military budget? And those budgets get voted on in a heavily bipartisan basis? Y'all, things are going to get more and more dire every day. And the choice is ours right now. Do you stand with the rest of the people who could make this world a better place? Or do you keep thinking that, well, you know what? Chuck Schumer is, is a good guy. Cuomo's a good guy. He's just trying to do the best he can. Rather than realizing that what their goal is to do is to protect the idea of America and the structures of America, not the people. Cuomo is not your fucking friend. Okay? I'm just going to give you a little tidbit in closing. Yeah, he can put together a sentence and give a good... and sounds halfway decent. And he's got a nipple ring, which is gross. (laughs) Let's not talk about that. It's gross. But look at the budgets that he has been pushing through. Look at what he has done and refused to do. He kind of made a slip up and said, you know, there's homeless people basically living on the subways at night. It's disgusting. And a lot of people try and rationalize that to say that what's disgusting about it is that people have to live like that. But you know you're rationalizing it. 
What's disgusting is that there's people who are dirty and homeless living on the trains because they got no place to go. What could he have done? He could have made things available to them. He could have put money into making sure all New Yorkers were housed. He hasn't done that. Instead, he's removed money from medical services. He's removed money from other critical infrastructure necessary for poor people. He has rolled back jail reform rather than enhanced it. He has refused to let out all these people on Rikers. Most people on Rikers are their pre-trial people. They haven't been convicted. They're not guilty. They're basically debt slaves because they can't afford the bail. And they're nonviolent. They're not a danger to anyone. Somebody in jail for smoking weed is not a danger to anyone. And yet, they're thrown in there to catch COVID-19 and die, maybe. And Cuomo's doing that. De Blasio's not helping. De Blasio has power over the NYPD. De Blasio could put a stop to this treatment of brown New Yorkers right now. But as much as he talks a progressive game, he's not. He's a charlatan. He's a liar and he's a fraud. And I don't care that he has a black wife and half black children. Put your fucking money where your mouth is, Blas. Help somebody. Don't just talk. You have control over the NYPD. You could put a stop to this now, today, this very second. And every second that you don't, you are proving where your interests really lie. You're proving it. You can't listen to a word that comes out of these people's mouths. You have to look at their records and their actions. In closing, things are going to get a lot worse before they get any better. And how bad they get depends on us, depends on you, depends on me, and how much we are willing to stand together. Now, what can you do? A lot of people say that online activism is useless. That's just not true. Especially coming from some of you who never post about politics. Think about this. If you never ever posted about politics and you started a conversation on your page about police brutality, you know what ripples that would send through your social circles? Social circles in which there are very few black and brown people? I mean, let's keep it real. You got to help us. You got to do the work. There's a page I love on Instagram called Comrade Brittany, and it's because Brittany Spears is such an interesting human being, but in a, a number of ways and at a, on a bunch of different occasions, she has proven that she really is, she's really down. There's a great video of someone call, someone calls her bodyguard the N-word, and you know, she's about to smack this dude in the face. Like her bodyguard actually has to hold her back from beating this other person up. It's the most beautiful thing you ever saw. And like I said in my own Instagram stories, if you wouldn't do that for one of your black friends, or at least you don't understand it, or at least don't feel that same kind of energy, you don't really have black friends. So that'll bring us to the end of this episode. I wish you all the very best through this time. And please do understand that I mean every word of it, that it's going to get worse before it gets better. And I don't say that to alarm you. I say that so that you're prepared and so that we can continue to step up for each other. Please do support my Patreon if you can. That's patreon.com slash focused on infinity. And also follow my YouTube channel. Please do follow me on Instagram as well. That's at focused on infinity. And in the link in my bio, you'll be able to get to all the other places I exist online. And I really would appreciate your help in getting more subscriptions to YouTube and people on Patreon, etc., etc.
I'm also creating a whole lot more content these days. Um, I have been actually hard at work doing music and photography and all kinds of artwork. Basically, everything that I create, I'm creating tons more of. And uh, I will say I actually feel blessed for this time to be able to do that and to get back in touch with uh, a lot of the parts of myself with which I had lost touch. Um, I'm also on Twitter, of course, at Watcher Infinite. Stay safe. Stay home. And for now, Grendel out.